Welcome to our podcast at Oxford Vineyard Church. Today's podcast features a conversation between several members at Oxford Vineyard on sustainable living. To find out more about what's going on at the church, check out our website at oxfordvineyard.com. Thanks. Today we're following up our Kingdom Living series at the Vineyard with a podcast on sustainable living. As the series came to fruition, we started to realize that this is a topic that's near and dear to the hearts of several people in our church uh, and on our staff, and it's a topic that challenges a lot of us, and it's one that I think there's been some confusion and misunderstanding about, uh, especially among Christians. So there's a lot of dissonance wrapped up in this idea of sustainable living, whether it's you know our vegan friend who wears a leather jacket every day or the man tweeting about unethical labor practices from a device made by underpaid workers in China, the woman protesting crony capitalism with a megaphone she bought from Walmart, or the minimalist who owns 14 hats, that's me. Um, Our goal today is to have a conversation about some different elements of sustainability and how to interact with them from a Christian perspective. So I'm here with this awesome group of ladies who we're we're just going to have a conversation about this stuff. So what I'd like for each of you to do is just introduce yourself with your name, Um, how you're connected to Oxford Vineyard, and what is one area of sustainable living that you are the most passionate about? My name is Bree Fry, and I'm the creative director here at Oxford Vineyard Church, and I'm very passionate about low-waste solutions and ethical buying practices. Um, My name is Sarah Beth Richter. I'm also on staff here at OV, and I am a part of like the original group that started the church because my parents started it. And the area of sustainability that I'm most passionate about is probably at this moment, uh, slow fashion and slow living and just mostly the fight against consumerism. My name is Lynn Jones and I am also on staff at Oxford Vineyard Church. I am an executive pastor and I'm in charge of the worship team, so I'm worship director. Um, I would say that the area that I'm most passionate about is food and how, one, it impacts our body and the earth and how we can sustain the earth and have sustainable practices with um, food and how it nourishes our bodies. And then recently I've been learning a lot about how we can do justice with our food purchases and our buying habits. Hello, my name is Lisa Van Houten. I'm a member at Oxford Vineyard. Um, I'm on the prayer team and do nursery currently. Um, Probably the area that I'm most passionate about um, is just healing the soil and having healthy soil because healthy soil feeds healthy plants, which feeds healthy people and animals. And I just realized that I hadn't introduced myself yet. So I'm Parker. I'm one of the executive pastors here at the Vineyard. And uh, the area of sustainability that I am the most passionate about is hosting this podcast because uh, I know very little about this area. I mean, Bree, you're my wife, so I know, you know the things that you tell me. Uh, but I'm going to be asking these questions from the perspective of, of somebody who's really fairly clueless in all of this because I want to give people a good uh, place to kind of enter into some of these practices and start to learn about this stuff. So uh, Jesus himself didn't 
explicitly talk about sustainability. He never used that word. So can each of you give me just about a one-minute explanation of how you think sustainability is an important part of the gospel and why sustainable practice is more than just a nice thing for Christians to engage with? Okay, this is Lisa again. I'm just going to... My explanation of sustainability um, in dealing with healthy soil, of course, ties right in with the gospel message about healthy soil, how you can't, the gospel can't flourish unless it's planted in Mm. healthy soil. So um, the same thing that is true in the physical is also true in the spiritual realm. You know, um, if we have healthy soil to grow our food, you know, that, that feeds our body, and then that, in turn, everything's connected, right? And we, that's one of the themes through this whole um, Kingdom Living series is how everything is connected. Um, so that having healthy soil physically, which produces healthy plants and healthy people, is also producing healthy spiritual lives. That's awesome. Yeah, and I see a lot in Scripture about doing justice and continually loving and serving the hungry and the poor. And this is really where a lot of my heart gets stirred up and uh, I get passionate about sustainable practices. And the whole idea behind sustainability is that we would steward what we've been given in a way that could maintain a certain order or a balance And so we see God's heart for stewardship and what we've been given all throughout Scripture. Specifically with food, though, our personal practices of eating and drinking can have a huge impact on the earth and on our bodies. I brought a quote. So Norman Rizba wrote a book. It's called Food and Faith, A Theology of Eating. When people understand creation as the concrete manifestation of God's sacrificial love, then it's imperative that food production and consumption recognize and honor the costly grace of life. So the earth is a manifestation of God's sacrificial love, and our sustainable choices can positively affect the earth, and it's it's a way that we can choose to honor God. Mm, That's awesome. For me, I feel like I see sustainability in the Bible and in the heart of the Father Um, Much like what Lynn said in stewardship, something that I always like to ask myself is what is the heart of the Father behind this? And in my personal experience, I started doing that with my buying habits and with the things I was consuming. And especially after pursuing a degree in business and marketing, I found that I was in a culture that was eager to just take advantage of any opportunity to consume and to really just to have and that just fed off of desire and as a person who was studying marketing I was not happy with that and so I asked the Lord like father what is your heart in this and I really felt like the father's heart is to slow down and Jesus was intentional with everything that he did and so if Jesus like they didn't have fast fashion in Jesus's day, mm. but if Jesus was here today, like how would he be intentional? Because he was extremely intentional with um, not just his words, but his actions. Sweet. So you led the question off by talking about um, Jesus's perspective on um, sustainability, a word that's not used um, explicitly in scripture. And I think that's really interesting. Um, 
because Josh Porter says this really interesting thing. Josh Porter is a pastor from Van City Church, and he says, if you follow Jesus, this guy has something to say about everything you do, including the things you buy and the story behind those things. And so the biblical narrative doesn't say, like, the concern right now is about um, global warming or climate crisis or any of these things that, like, maybe you think are a big issue, maybe you don't, but... um, that wasn't like a problem that was like foreseen um, in many ways. Like cultivating the earth was a matter of like what works for me, what's making my crops grow better, um, what's happening here. But justice was so important throughout scripture. Um, and often through especially the Old Testament, you hear um, commands about the way you treat um, those tending your land. Like this is mm. incredibly frequent. Um, you see it in Leviticus. Leviticus is full of rules, right? And Leviticus 23, 22 says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest, leave them to the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I'm the Lord your God. This is commanding thoughtfulness for the poor. And Zechariah 7, 9 through 10 says, this is what the Lord Almighty said, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another, do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor, do not plot evil against each other. Deuteronomy says, do not take advantage of a hired worker who's poor and needy. Um, Over and over again, uh, it talks about the way you treat uh, the poor, the fatherless, the widows, um, and the foreigners. And it continues in the New Testament. In James, it says, look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. Um, And all of that to to talk about Micah 6, where it says, uh, do justice, love mercy. Walk humbly, right? So if we talk about biblical justice, what is biblical justice? It's um, according to World Vision, it's first and foremost a relational term, people living in relationship with God, one another, and the natural creation. So this is just a matter of creation care, right? So um, as disciples of Jesus, we're mandated to care for creation. We talk about this from the very beginning of the book, Genesis 1, where it says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over dot, 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 all living things. So subdue says there's an issue, and y'all need to deal with it. And I see a lot of issues with the way we're treating like the people around us and our world and like living things um i think that's all about creation care and i think um it's really easy to look at what's happening around us and say like yeah it's really important um to care about justice and concern for the poor and the oppressed is something that as christians we all say we're going to get behind um but sustainability is all about that um concern for the poor and the oppressed and creation care and um like, I'm willing to say that my small buying choices contribute to a larger problem. So I think it's um, inherently biblical to say, like, where my money goes is important, and I want to support things that are supporting my earth and the people around me. Hmm. That's cool. I hear such a wide range, a wide scope of things coming through in, in the things that the four of you are, are passionate about. And I think that that really speaks to something important about sustainability is that it does touch so many aspects of our life. And Sarah Beth, something that you said really stood out to me that, you know, it's, it's about the story behind where things are coming from. And 
Um, you know, it just makes me think about the story behind where this cup of tea that I'm drinking right now comes from, because Lisa brought us some amazing tea that has been uh, brought to us foraged and, uh, and steeped and, and served to us right here on this awesome little platter that you brought. So Lisa, my first question is for you. Um, I know that you and your family grow a lot of your own food and you desire to self-sustain however you can and in that area. So tell us a little bit about just some of your practices and really how you got started. So why are you doing that? And, and where did those practices come from? So I actually grew up on a farm in central Iowa. Um, my family has been farmers for generations and um, it seemed only natural that I would want to follow in that footstep, but it's funny now looking back that I really don't like the traditional um, farming practices. Well, traditional meaning what they're doing now, I guess. So you know. you're referring to like monocrop farming and right. Yeah. The monocrop farming is bad for the earth. I feel. And so um, <laughs> my brothers would not be happy with me. For <laughs> <laughs> Same with my family. It. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, you know, and I was thinking about in my own life, um, I think a lot of it started when I was, uh, you know, of course grew up on the farm and, and gardening and um, cooking for my family. Um, I did a lot of that. Um, but when I was pregnant with our first child, um, I made the decision I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. And, you know, recognizing that this was now my life's work. Mm. And, you know, so I took it very seriously that now I needed to learn, you know, what does it mean, you know, pregnancy? Learn what I, what can I learn about pregnancy? What can I learn about childbirth? What can I learn about breastfeeding? What can I learn about nutrition? What can I learn about um, even just cleaning my home in a in a safe manner? Um, you know, so I just I, I loved learning and and growing in all of those areas, um, and you know. Anyone who enjoys learning, you just end up going on all these different um, <laughs> bunny trails. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and then I had a child, you know, in each child, there were new things to learn, right? And I had one child that had terrible allergies hmm. from day one. And um, it forced me to read every label. Hmm. And that was so eye-opening. And so... Um, you know, you start learning more about things like that. And then I was introduced to the Weston A. Price Foundation, who studies um, people around the world who um, are healthy. And what are they doing? You know, what what is it that's different um, about them? And, and, you know, it really boils down to traditional cooking practices and mm eating in traditional ways, ways that humans have lived for thousands of years with all our, without all our modern things, right? Yeah, very and, interesting. And it's so um, interesting, you know, to, to me it just made so much sense. It was like, oh, well, of course people have lived for thousands of years. Why, do we, why are we having so much trouble now, right? Hmm. Like what is it about our culture that's causing people to get sick and 
and to live, you know, I mean, obviously before a lot of people would buy, would die of acute illnesses, right? Sure. But, and we've pretty much taken care of a lot of that, right? With our surgeries and antibiotics and all these things. But now people are suffering years and years with chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. You know, that was unheard of before. And, you know, what is it that, I mean, to me, that's worse, really, because that's something that um, keeps you from a productive life. It keeps you from being the person that God's created you to be. Because um, when you're dealing with pain and, and, you know, taking care of yourself, how, how can you care for others? And, yeah. Right. Oh, that's awesome. So I think I have some idea, but talk a little bit about how you see um, like growing your own food, fitting into that, that picture of, of health that you just painted. So one of the interesting things I've learned, you know, along the way that just something fairly new is how, um, we are not alone on this planet, right? Like we're mm. surrounded. In fact, we're, our bodies are filled with microbes, right? Like just that, that fact that our bodies are 90% microbes. Like, we're only 10% human cells. And um, so when we learn that, you know, taking care of your body means taking care of all these microbes that live within us, right? So whereas a herbicide, you know, like um, uh, Roundup sure. has, you know, they say it's safe for humans mm. because it doesn't affect human cells. But it does affect microbes. I mean, that's its purpose is to kill all the funguses and all the you know right, the, yeah. all the different things in the in the soil. Um, so it does affect us because it affects those microbes, right? Mm. So um, again, I think it was just you know we get so narrowed in our focuses. You know, well, it doesn't hurt people. Well, not directly. <laughs> but right. if you look at the big picture of everything, then you understand, you know, that it does affect us. It, you know, it affects the birds that eat the bugs that are being, have been sprayed. It, it, you know, it, the, everything is always connected. Yeah. I think and, that's such, a, such an interesting perspective because it really ties back into a lot of the stuff that we've talked about throughout Kingdom Living is basically what I hear you saying is that as humans, yes, we're, we're body, soul, and spirit, but we also have this uh, super important connection with, with the planet around us. And, and so, you know, being responsible to take care of that aspect of ourselves uh, is, is a really interesting point that you raise. I love that. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, the Bible says we were made, created from the dust, right? right? Like yeah. we are literally from the earth. We're mm. from dust. I mean, and I didn't even, hadn't realized that the Bible even says that the animals were created from the dust. Hmm. And so, you know, if you think about it, we're all a part of the earth, right? Mm. And, and so, um, yeah, caring for the earth and the, and the soil um, is just so important to me. Um, plus, you know, there's the aspects, again, of, you know, I was look, thinking about when you care for the soil, you know, you're, you're doing physical activity, you know, you are... Um, you're creating healthy food. Mm -hmm. You're saving money. Right. You are building relationships because 
anybody who's done any kind of farming knows that you need community to mm -hmm. do that well. Um, you're creating jobs, right? Because instead of a monocrops farming where one farmer can farm 1,500 acres of corn and soybeans, you know, we're talking, I would like to advocate for, you know, growing healthy food that requires much more intense labor, hmm. but that creates jobs. Right. Right? So, yeah. I mean, to me, there's just win-win in a lot of ways. Plus, you know, you're getting people outdoors in the sunshine and they're um, using their bodies physically. Um, you know, I mean, I, who wouldn't want... I mean, I know a lot of people don't like to work physically, <laughs> but, you know, there's just... A lot of people do. And there's yeah. just... There is not that opportunity. You know, there are not jobs for them to do. Hmm. And yeah. so... Um, I just feel like, you know, if we can get back and then, in, you know, on the other side is, you know, everybody can grow something, you know, if it's a plant in your house, um, just that brings health to your, um, air in your house, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, Plants definitely. do. And, um, working the soil, you know, it is just, you know, we all know being in nature cause it has healthy for our bodies. Um, so I just, um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool perspective. Thank you. So Lynn, you gave a great message about health during the Kingdom Living series. Um, and during that message, you said something a few different times about living simply. And I think you even referred to it once already. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on what you think it means to live a simple life the way that Jesus lived a simple life? Sure. Yeah, I... I like to think about my walk with Jesus as my way back to the way I was always intended to be. And when I say I want to live more simply, I mean that I want to understand God's intention for the earth and human beings and the way that we live here. And I want to see things as a gift because I think that our bodies are a gift. I think that the earth is a gift and viewing things as a gift is a way of practicing simplicity for me. And so we have been given these amazing bodies that were intended to function a certain way. And maybe we've stepped away from some of our potential and some of our capacity as creation by abusing food. Or maybe mm. on the earth, we've stepped away from its potential and capacity by the way that we've abused and wasted food. and. I think about unethical practices and how sometimes they're there to create revenue and to build businesses, but as a culture, we've walked away from viewing food as a gift and how it was intended to be, how it was, in, how it was given to us was um, as a gift, and we've walked away from viewing it that way. And I believe that Jesus wants us to gain back that healthy perspective of food, how we grow it, how we buy it, how we consume it, how we cook it, and whether or not we buy more than we need or what we do with our leftovers. And so I find simplicity in the everyday notion of eating and drinking. And it's, it's a way of practicing simplicity, but it's also a way of practicing gratitude and thankfulness, which is something that I really hold as a value in my life. And I think that we can practice 
simplicity by slowing down and taking in moments around us better. It's bigger than just food, we know that. It's you know how we have conversations, relationships, but I, I get really excited about talking about how we can view food as a gift. And so yeah, for me it just goes hand in hand with practicing simplicity. It means like slowing down and recognizing what am I purchasing? What am I bringing into my home to give my family? Hmm. And how can I view it differently? And how can I view it how maybe it was intended to how it was intended to be. Yeah, that's so good. And I, I love that, that word that you use, gratitude, because I know for me, you know, I don't always eat the best, but it's so much easier for me to be thankful for food that I know is, is good for my body. I mean, I, I can't say that I've eaten many meals at McDonald's that I was thankful for. And when I think about, you know, sitting down to um, an excellent meal of, of homegrown food or food where, you know, I knew it came, where it came from. I know the farmer that I bought it from. I, I know, um, you know, where, where these, these things came from. It's so much easier to be like, yeah, thank you, Lord. Like, this is, this is such a blessing, like, to my body, to my life. And, and it just strips away so many of those layers of complexity. You know, it's like the longer, the longer your food's story is or the longer your uh, clothing story is or any of these things that we're talking about, the more complicated it gets. And I think the, the more um, complicated morally it gets. So I love that, that you draw out that idea of gratitude and thankfulness. Can I add a comment? Please. I just, I just uh, listened to a podcast and it was about... Um, what is the the best fertilizer for your garden? Mm. And it, the answer was gratitude. Ah, that's cool. Mm. And <laughs> I just thought it was so good. It was just, you know, talking about when you're grateful for something, that's your attention is on it. And, um, you know, that whole, the scripture, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm. And so, you know, if you treasure your food, you will pay attention to it and you will yeah. be more intentional about it. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. So we've talked a lot about food, um, but let's start to address maybe a new perspective. So uh, Sarah Beth, one thing that we don't ever talk about in church is fashion. Uh, but I know that you have come across some great resources that have taught you about the problem of fast fashion and really the problems that it presents us as followers of Christ. So um, why is it that where and how we buy our clothing is something that we should be concerned with? Awesome. Well, first of all, I wanted to say I think it's very ironic um, that we dress it as fashion just because um, or that I'm the one that's being taught addressed for fashion because everything I found <laughs> that I'm wearing today was out of the trunk of my car. So... <laughs> So I think it's, um, I just think it's funny that um, this has become one of my passions, mostly because I'm not really focused on fashion. And I think, however, I do think that the implications of the culture of where we're going and just the economics behind fast fashion and the implications of slow fashion has really created a passion in me because of the justice behind it. And because justice is such a big part of the father's heart and so first i really feel like the reason why we should care about what we buy not just clothing but clothing has is such a such a prime example is mostly because of 
our power as consumers. So when we say fast fashion, what we mean is pretty much any big company and how fast fashion works is uh, fast fashion is essentially big companies and it's a culture that is created by consumers and our demand for lower prices. So fast fashion is pretty much any big company and how they source what you are buying and why it's so cheap. That's the result of fast fashion. So we have 7 billion people in the world and half of those people make less than 250 a day according to like US dollars. Um, and we create in like 2018, 107 billion garments were made. That's not even including shoes. So that means we could literally clothe the entire world like 10 almost 10 times over, over because of how much that we're producing. And I think that it is such an interesting thought because how does this work? How does this function? How are our choices in the heart behind our choices impacting other people is really how I came in to explore this. And so I think just understanding the process behind fast fashion is a really big thing. So how does it work? It works through a uh, linear supply chain and it's hierarchical, if I can say that word. And so what happens is that a company like Nike that we buy shoes from does not have their own factory that they build when they outsource to another company. They don't go there, they don't build the factory. They actually outsource to a manufacturer somewhere else. And that manufacturer outsources their um, supplies to a different manufacturer. And so it becomes this linear supply chain in which regulation isn't um, required in a lot of different companies, or sorry, a lot of different countries. And so what happens is the companies don't really ask questions, and US companies a lot of times are required to be transparent when they are manufactured here. However, they're not really, um, a lot of other countries don't require transparency in their wages and things like that. And so really what I'm setting up for you is this industry in which human trafficking thrives. And that's really why I feel like it's important for us. And I feel I've seen and I've heard the cry of the church that we want to end human trafficking. However, I think it's really um, interesting that sometimes we don't always know where to start, but this is a great place for us to start because fast fashion is one of the largest human trafficked industries and it happens through um, child labor. It happens through any kind of modern slavery. So bondage workers, like workers in bondage. And this happens through exploiting people who are vulnerable. And Jesus says, um, whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. And so I feel like that is when we buy something that is um, exploited, when we buy something that, um, exploits the vulnerable, that is a process that exploits um, those who are in a place where they have nowhere else to turn, and so they take a loan from a company, and then the company or the manufacturer says, okay, now you have to work for me for less than a dollar a day um, for like almost the rest of your life. You're never gonna get out of that cycle. Mm -hmm. And so when we, um, when we buy a $5 
blouse because we think that, oh, that's a great plate, that's a great price, we tend not to think about the implications of why that's $5. And so I think that one of the, um, one of the things is that like my heart for the church is to realize that when we say we want to end human trafficking, it's we create a demand for it. And so we are a part of the process that creates the demand for it. And so it's a really hard pill to swallow that literally every single one of us has contributed to um, modern slavery. And that's really, it's, I don't know, it's, it's really hard, but also at the same time, it makes us have power. And I think that if we believe that we're sons and daughters and, um, and we have authority and we have just a responsibility to carry out our destiny and to love the least of these, then it's really important to understand like how we buy and how we purchase. Because whenever you're buying from something, um, especially when price is the differentiator, you are choosing not to buy from something else and that um, creates a demand um, for low wages and creates a demand for people who, um, or just for, for trafficked people and for trafficked labor. And so I think that, um, I'm not sure if that's where I was trying to go to anyways, but I think that that's really my heart in terms of understanding like why it's important for us as a church to really be intentional about where we are getting um, what we're putting on our backs because Sorry. Um, just because, like, even if you don't think it's happening, or um, you talked about dissonance, Parker, I think that it's really easy, as, easy for us to claim that and then post something about human trafficking ending um, on Instagram or something. But I think just understanding the reality that, like, 93% of big businesses don't pay their people living wages, like, their. Um, factory workers, living wages. Understanding that um, and understanding the implications of that is really a part of like why we need to be intentional and why it matters because that's not the heart of Jesus at all, um, especially in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's, that's such an important thing to uh, bring to light and it's such a heavy uh, subject. It's such a heavy thing to just even recognize for me to acknowledge that you know, I've participated in in a system like that that promotes, um, you know, the exploitation of people, and and um, it's it is like you said a hard pill to swallow. But I think it's important that we recognize that the first step to uh, doing something about that is understanding that that's absolutely the case, and not working to disassociate ourselves from that reality, but to actually face it and think about it. And when we begin to face it and think about it, I think that's I think you would probably agree that that's when we begin to do something different. And so, you know, how do you eat the elephant? Mm -hmm. One bite at a time. Yeah, I think also recognizing the fact that we contribute to a problem is also in a way empowering us to um, become the solution to the problem mm. because we do have the power to contribute to the solution and we do have the power as consumers to, um, yeah, to like vote with your dollars, that kind of thing. Like we do have a power to um, essentially just create change even though sometimes it doesn't feel like we do. And I feel like that's the encouraging part for us as believers is to understand that we have, do have a way, like it's not, like human trafficking isn't like something or like modern slavery isn't something that we can just like say like, oh, this is bad, we wanna end this, but we have no idea how. It's something that we actually um, 
do get to contribute to not only like the destruction or like not only contributing to the problem daily, but we can contribute to like the solution daily. And so I feel like that is the biggest hope that I've taken out of understanding the problem. Hmm. That's good. I think what Sarah Beth just said is a really good uh, relation to what Parker said recently in a message about how it's not just about um, what we pray for, um, but there's like action alongside a lot of those things like um to bring something to fruition like the lord's not saying like let's pray over our meal and all of a sudden it's healthy for us like let's not pray over our bag of cheetos i think is what he said and it'd be nourishing to our bodies and i think in the same way like let's not just pray to end human trafficking like of course let's pray to end human trafficking but also let's put our dollars behind that thing and i think like that's the heart of sarah's message there that was awesome killed it that's good <laughs> So Bree, because you're my wife, I hear you talk a lot about ethical and sustainable buying practices. Um, and the thought of eliminating products from our lives that are produced with prison labor, slave labor, underpaid workers can be daunting because we know that they are everywhere. Um, the, the retail giants that we depend on, they're, they're full of these products. And so uh, some of us think that there's so much of this stuff, why even try? Because I know you know, my life, I mean, that, that's been such a huge part of it. And so the thought of, of removing those things, it's, it's, it's daunting, it's huge. So where do you think we should start? Yeah, I think that's an awesome question. And I think um, a big part of that is going back to what Sarah Beth's saying about um, the, the slow starts, the things that you do that um, not just um, contribute to the problem, but you can also like improve the situation with every small thing that you do. Um, I think that's so important. I think we see that in the kingdom all the time. Um, last week we talked about how God can do um, so much with your one disciple, way more than you could do personally with like what you do with your own power with like five people, 10 people, 50 people, whatever. Like um, I think when your heart is for intentionality and like the will of God and social justice, um, like biblical justice, like real justice, not like the world's version of justice, but what Jesus believes justice is. I think there's so much power behind your decisions when you do things like that. So I wanna start by talking about what I think um, like actually is a good practice um, in buying habits because we've talked a lot about ethics and I wanna bring in a side about waste just for a smidge because that's where I really started um, my passion and fire for sustainability because when I started this thing, I'll be honest, it took me a long time to even start caring about my body, like at all. And so like, I know Lynn's story pretty well and she shared that with you, um, this like passion for health and a passion for what you put in your body. I think Lisa has a, a much of the same perspective. Like I didn't jump on that train, honestly, full heartedly until like in the past year, probably. Um, it's always been to me more about like um, social justice and earth care and less about health. Um, and it's totally a holistic thing. It's not one or the other. Um, it's all about justice in my body, in the bodies of those around me, um, in the earth. Um, all of those things, so important. God cares about um, our livable wages. He cares about our body's health. He cares about each of these things. And part of justice is um, making sure that our neighbors can afford good and healthy things for their bodies as well. Um, yeah, so I think that... Um, it's important to recognize what good practices and bad practices in a business even are before you decide how do I start making those changes. So a model that I really enjoy 
is to think about traditional production as like the extraction of finite resources, which can use poor or good labor practices, which Sarah Beth talked about, but I'm not really gonna touch on that as much. So the extraction of finite resources, and then the factory production where you refine, produce, and pollute, potentially. Your transportation, which also can be a pollutant. Um, then many people use the object, the thing briefly, and then throw it away. So that's the, that's the timeline, right? It starts at the extraction of finite resources and then ends with a landfill um, where there's little air quality and much, um, not much biodegradation in a landfill, right? So a company that's doing really well in this case is using better materials, um, things that are sustainably sourced, renewable, um, even organic things, sometimes recycled things, post-consumer recycled things, because some companies say they're recycling stuff and it never was actually used for anything in the first place. That's BS. <laughs> I'm just going to say, so look for that post-consumer recycled. <laughs> um, cleaner production, so important. Um, things like low-impact dyes, um, things like being handmade, uh, because that's obviously going to uh, incorporate less pollution. Um, there's all sorts of different indicators for that. A lower carbon footprint, higher quality. If it lasts longer, it's better for the earth. Funny, crazy. We love that. Um, and then less waste, meaning it's compostable and you have a system to compost that thing because roadside composting um, doesn't always exist and doesn't even compost all things. So um, sometimes you get, we like to call it greenwashing, where people are like, oh, it's compostable. And you just throw it in the trash and it never biodegrades. It's not really, it's not really helping, you know? And um, it's challenging because the consumer has to be educated to understand these things. And a lot of the time, those big businesses are saying, oh, I see that there's a desire now for the savior mentality that says, oh, I'm doing something that's not terrible for the earth while I'm still being a, an active consumer. And consumerism says, I'm going to buy things, but I feel a little bit better when it says that it's recycled material or that it's compostable. Um, and they're not educating the buyer about what they actually need to do um, in order to, to end the life of the object well or to use it for a long time because that's the best thing you can do, right? To use yeah. it for a long time. So I talked about a few different things through that that I think are your, um, your beginning steps. And I think the big thing to think about is actually a quote of a, a blogger that I follow um, that I really love. It says, you cannot do all the good that the world needs, but the world needs all the good that you can do, right? Small steps, small actionable changes. Um, you cannot do all the good the world needs. Jesus can which is sick, but he's participating with us. Like he wants to do life with us. He wants to see us um, subdue the earth and fill it. And um, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I love that he wants to do that with us. But um, overindulgence, I think, is the big key here. Like you asked about small steps. Where do I start? The first step is looking at what you have and saying, I don't really need more than this necessarily. Um, I think that's like the most beautiful thing about minimalism. I love minimalism. Parker thinks I don't love minimalism because I have a lot of things in my house. Um, I love minimalism. Minimal minimalism says I have what I need. I don't need anything more. And things don't make me happy. People make me happy. Relationships make me happy. And that's what justice is, right? We talked about justice is relationally. This is according to World Visit Vision. Justice is a relational term, people living in right relationship with God, one another, and the natural creation. That's 
it's a relationship with creation is what justice is. So my relationship shouldn't be with my items. My relationship was with creation. And my intentionality and my saying that items aren't making me happy says I can live with what I have for longer and I want to buy things that last me a long time. The other part of that is to understand um, accessibility in sustainability. Um, I love the food topic that Lisa and Lynn are talking about, um, especially about growing. Um, and food is something that's becoming more and more accessible to communities because people care a lot about um, issues like food deserts where food isn't um, accessible, healthy food isn't accessible to people and the things near them in urban areas are fast food, things like that. Food accessibility is becoming a big topic um, that also exists with clothing. For a lot of people, it's not possible to buy slow fashion items for hundreds of dollars. Um, for a lot of people, it looks like sustainability is inaccessible because of money. Mm. And that's a big indicator or a big inhibitor at the front end is like, I don't really have the money to make ethical purchases. I'm going to buy Walmart brand instead because it makes more sense for me. And um, I need to steward my money because that's so important, right? Mm -hmm. The Lord says we need to steward our money as well. Um, and so it can look like stewarding our money is making the cheapest purchase. But I'm willing to say that stewarding our money is putting our money in the pockets of those who we love and who we need to support. And um, those that the Lord says throughout scripture over and over again that he cares for, um, those who are oppressed, the foreigners, um, those of all ethnicities, all economic standings. Um, yeah, so shop small, right? <laughs> um, I think to add to that as well, I was going to say this a little bit later, but since you brought up like um, the kind of daunting factor of like, I don't make enough money to be sustainable. And I think that that's something that I've had a really hard time with. I'm like a broke college student with three jobs. Yeah. So like, it's really hard to, sometimes it's really hard to rationalize um, and like for my wallet, um, being sustainable and being intentional, but I do think that there are so many ways that it doesn't have to be yeah. because I still Do it in a way that works for me and even when it comes to food That was one of the really hardest things, but Lynn has taught me so much about how to source mm -hmm. like the food that you get and to do it and to sometimes make sacrifices so that you can put good things into your body and have it sourced well and the same thing with clothing, like secondhand is the biggest thing. And it's one of the easiest ways to shop sustainably um, is by getting something that's used because someone is going to throw it away. So you might as well like do that. And then there's absolutely no guilt behind um, secondhand. And so those kinds of things have been really, really helpful to, for me. Um, and I just want wanted to say that it's possible and you can do it because I do it and I don't do it perfectly, but I do my best. And so I feel like so can anyone else. Yeah. So that's what, um, my final point was, is secondhand shopping. I think the, um, overall answer to that question for me is like, where do I start? The first step is looking at what you have and saying what I have might be enough. Um, I don't need more to make me happy and then determining what do I need? Um, and what do I want? And the um, 
second step, the second easy small step is to start shopping secondhand for as many things as you can. Um, we have a lot of great resources for that. Thrift stores, um, Facebook Marketplace, Kills, eBay, um, sharing with friends, amazing, mm. a great resource. Um, yeah, so I'd say start with um, recognizing where there might be points of overindulgence and shopping secondhand. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. I, had, I was just thinking about the whole minimalism thing. Um, one of the things when Art and I uh, first were learning about money, and, and you know, and of course, one of the main things is to learn contentment. I mean, that's the best way to manage your money is to learn contentment. And um, one of the ways that has helped me just think about that is that um, if you think about everything that you own takes up your time. Mm. And time is our most precious commodity, right? And so if you think about everything that you own has to be taken care of, has to be stored, has to be cleaned and maintained. I mean, everything you own takes some kind of your time. So I, whenever I'm going to buy something, I think, is this worth my time? Hmm. Not just worth my money, is it worth my time? Because money is time too. Right. Yeah, that's been one of the most important points about minimalism for me since I started to learn about minimalism is, you know, the cost of an item goes far beyond purchasing the item because you have to consider what's it going to take to, to clean the thing and maintain the thing and, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you have to do with the thing, it, you know, take the thing to the shop and get it repaired or, uh, you know, replace parts on the thing or, um, you know, all, all those things that you have to consider. Or it has to be um, taken care of eventually as far as it does it go to the dump yeah. or is it going to be recycled or, right. right? Like what happens to this thing that I've consumed and I've purchased yeah. eventually? Yeah. That's so good. So as I mentioned before, you know, one of the things that holds us back from, from living sustainably is the pervasiveness of unsustainable practices and buying options all around us. And we've talked about this a little bit, but um, tell us, you know, how can we begin to overcome this? Because when we talk about these problems with our, with our clothing, with our things, with our food, it can start to feel a bit dark. It can start to feel a bit heavy and, and we have to figure out how we're going to escape that. So in your opinion, how do we begin to, to overcome those problems? One of the things I um, discovered when I was preparing for this was, you know, I was thinking about the, the scripture that says, you know, that my people die for lack of knowledge. Mm. But I, what I loved was the beginning of, it's in Hosea 4. In the beginning of the um, chapter, it talks about, it's, it's a charge against Israel because they're not following the Lord and they're, they're doing their own thing and they've fallen away from him. Mm. And, um, but it talks about that the land is mourning, the people are perishing, the animals are dying. You know, it's our spiritual lives affect all these areas as well. Like if we're not following the Lord, that that creates an unhealthy earth, you know. And so um, I just thought that was so interesting, you know, because we we die for a lack of knowledge. And so I think the beginning is learning. This, you know, this is the beginning. What, what you're listening to is your beginning, mm -hmm. maybe, if you aren't already there. 
I hope so. That's yeah, that would be amazing. So what you're saying is get knowledge, get wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's good. I was going to go off of that. That was what I wrote down as well. Just like learning, educating yourself, but also taking that a step further. One of the best things for me has been understanding community in terms of helping me do this and helping me live sustainably is like one of my favorite things is asking Lynn a question about like health sustainability and sustainability and health or something about food or a question that I had about something I read and Lynn like no one can see this but Lynn came with like three pages of notes because that's just who Lynn <laughs> is and Lynn does her research and she takes time and she takes so much um, she's just really good at learning and really good at researching. And so she can tell you all the things. And when I want to, like, I have a question about a brand, I'll ask Brie and I'll say like, Hey, have you ever heard of them? Have you ever done any research just before I have to? And so when it comes to time as like our value in our time, community is so helpful because it's really hard for me and it feels very hard for me to, and it f feels very scary to feel like I have to do all the research, know all the things, learn all the things. But I think in community, we get to do that together and we can each focus on something different or bring different things to the table. And I think that that is one of the biggest steps is just maybe doing it with other people. And if you don't have other people, we can be your other people because I just think it's, it's the most helpful thing and the most encouraging thing because I don't have to know all the answers. Mm. that's good yeah I would say the biggest thing for me I, I, I would draw back to what you said earlier about understanding that our things have stories where they come from and we've talked a lot about that and I believe that we can practice justice um, at our dinner table I believe that we can um, that we can view the things that we're purchasing differently, the food that we're purchasing differently. Um, food can be the means by which evil is done, yes. Um, but food was intended for good, and so we have the choice of what we buy and what we eat and what we serve our family, and those are simple choices that we can make, and yes, it's not completely changing everything at once, but little small changes actually do go a long way because if you think about a single food item, they, that food item has nutrients in it, hmm. and it's going to affect you, affect you whether or not your entire diet changes at once. That food item is still necessary and beneficial. And so um, we can grow our own food or support local farmers and businesses that sell their produce, their meat, their dairy, and these items are not only better for your body nutritionally, but they are contributing to this fight against injustice in our food. And so a big way to overcome this is just to take a step back and look at the choices that we're making. And maybe our whole lives we've never thought twice about the brands that we're buying. Mm. Food, clothing, anything. And I just want to invite God into all of my spiritual disciplines and practices, which I think personally like what I'm eating, what I'm purchasing and making as a meal for my family is involved with that and part of that. Yeah, Lynn, I love that you talk about that as a spiritual discipline mm. because I think, um, you know, for me, one of the things that I love is, is meditating on the Word. And it has brought so much richness and depth to my life. And when I look at other people who don't do that, 
I'm not angry with them. But what I would like to do is invite them to come with me. And so I think what we have to do is keep this in perspective. And we can't get frustrated with the people who aren't entering into the practices that we'd like for them to, but we can invite a friend. And I think that that's, that's key. That's so beautiful. And that leads into um, kind of what I wanted to talk about. Um, in the health message, Lynn said something amazing. Um, she said, we can't use shame to make a change. Mm. And this... Um, one goes with how we talk to other people. Um, sometimes it's really hard when you're really passionate about something to not say like, how could you not get on board with this? Like, it's so obvious to me because like I've taken time, like we can do that about so many things. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and I think this is a really easy one. Um, there's like a joke about vegan people and how they always like tell everybody else that they're vegan and, um, they never shut up about being vegan. Um, <laughs> I'm not vegan. Um, but sometimes I think I might sound like, this about sustainability um a big crusade for me is like that people think that um plastic just recycling your plastic is going to be good enough like it gets recycled and um that's like good for the earth it's not like it takes a lot of work to recycle materials and um it's much better to reuse and reduce um and compost um that's a thing that i tell people all the time and sometimes it's like I gotta remember to step back and say like, shame isn't helping people make the change. And like looking at their plastic water bottle and being like, what the heck, <laughs> isn't gonna help anybody and it doesn't make anybody feel good. And at the same time, it makes me look like a freaking hypocrite when I'm drinking out of a plastic water bottle because I don't do it perfectly every time. Mm -hmm. And that's the second part of shame is that I can care a lot about this thing and really wanna make so many good decisions. And then I have to be okay with the times that I don't make the best decision and I have to be okay with the fact that um, this is a big deal to me and I'm saying it to other people around me um, and I gotta not worry about how I look all the time and still make an Amazon purchase every once in a while even though I don't love doing that like it's okay to like do something that doesn't stand by what you want to do every single time and shame isn't going to make the change that's good that's so important so I love everything that's been said here. And what I want to do is I would love if we could close out with just each of you giving us one simple practical tip that we can start doing this week, that we can maybe even start doing today uh, to start living more sustainably. <laughs> yeah, so I just talked about Amazon super briefly. This is a super easy thing you can do to support the business, buying direct. The purchases that you want to make this Christmas um, for your loved ones that you want to buy from Amazon, use Amazon as a directory. Pick the things that you like and search for that business in your Google Google browser and just buy directly from that business. It might even be cheaper than it was on Amazon. I know the shipping's a big factor, but buying direct from the company is great. Even if the company doesn't meet like every standard of sustainability, you're supporting a smaller business than Amazon, and I think that's like a step in the right direction. Cool. I would say that my tip would be to try the best you can to just reuse, especially when it comes to clothing. Um, Rewearing is a, a really big topic right now, even though I rewear everything. I feel like that's an oxymoron. But 
re-wearing is like a term used to say like, hey, shop your closet, go back, and if you can't find something to wear, wear something that you already have. And that may not be a big thing for someone like me who doesn't really care about what they wear and like what they look like. But at the same time, I feel like for occasions, one of my biggest things was I have to go buy something for an occasion because I don't have anything to wear for an occasion. And for example, I am like, I have to go to a wedding and I'm just going to use a dress that I always wear, but I'm going to wear something different on top of it and then it's fine. So I think that reusing um, and then also, like I said, shopping secondhand is the biggest thing. So like if you do have to go get something, maybe try Goodwill first. If I had to share one tip, <laughs> it would probably be to buy your food locally, I guess. Um, I, I've learned so much about this, and it's been, I mean, it's been a long time to figure out how to get everything we need locally, and I still don't do it perfectly. And, but what I've learned is, I've learned different things about the city I live in and the people who live here and the farmers all around us. Oxford is surrounded by farms. And um, so it's been an investment for our money, but also just my time. Like, it takes time. I drive to Fairfield every single week to get dairy products because it's from a f local farm, and I, um, it takes time. Like, it takes two hours out of my week to do that. But I believe that it's worth it for our family. And... Um, yeah, I would also tip, check out the Oxford Farmer's Market. It's an awesome farmer's market. Mm -hmm. Right now it's entering winter, um, but it's still good. And I would really suggest doing it. I love the relationships that we've started to develop with just the people who are selling their produce and, and their meat and their different goods. And so, yeah, buy on look. Buying local, it's not just good for your body, but it's it's good for um, it's good for the earth, and I believe it's building community and relationships too. Mm, that's good. So I, th you know, I love this um, quote about you know making change isn't about the big thing that you change; it's about all the little things you change. So, you know, um, I love all these tips that everybody's been given. Um, and I kind of alluded to this earlier about, um, you know, grow something, just even mm -hmm. if it's a plant in your house. But, you know, use your backyard. Use your flower gardens to uh, grow food, you know, because food is beautiful. It doesn't have to just be, you know, flowers that just look nice, right? They can be practical, usable things. You know, the tea that we had today was flowers and, and um, herbs that you could grow in any flower garden. And it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> but my, I also just would encourage you in this journey, you know, to take time every day to just ask the Lord, what would you have me do? Hmm. How, how can you direct me today to live more sustainably? Hmm. That's, good. That's good. I love that. I also am going to add one last thing. I think that what you said, I feel like that's kind of the really the biggest issue for is just understanding that this is something that we can give to the Lord and, and we can do that with anything. But Lynn mentioned in her health message in Kingdom Living about having a why. 
And so each person has a different why from the Lord for health. And I think that's the same thing with sustainability is like asking the Lord, Lord, why does this matter to you? And why should it matter to me? And so I think that's just like, it's kind of like the first step for sure. Hmm. So good. Well, my hope is that if you're listening to this podcast, you've learned something, you've been encouraged uh, by something that you've heard. And I think we're going to, we're going to end it here. Thank you so much uh, for, for coming here and doing this. Uh, I've really appreciated hearing from all of you. And uh, I hope that, that this is a good addition to our Kingdom Living series and that people really take something away.